Welcome to the Indirect Vision Podcast, where it is our mission to help pre-dental and dental students make better decisions through the application of new and unique perspectives. Today, I am interviewing Dr. Carroll. Dr. Carroll interviewed. Dr. Carroll graduated from the University of California Dental School in 1981 and Arizona State University School of Business in 2010. He earned his master's in health science management in 2012 and is currently pursuing his law degree. Are you currently pursuing yes, that or correct. did you finish? Yes. No, no, currently still doing it. Um, he had a private practice for over 21 years and is now the associate dean for clinical science at Midwestern Arizona. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Carroll. Thank you very much, Andrew, for having me. So my first question is just, what is your dental background? How did you get into dentistry, and how did you end up as a dean of a dental school? Okay, it's uh, maybe a little bit convoluted in my case. My dad was a dentist, and he practiced in uh, Germany, and I had the opportunity to be an exchange student uh, for the uh, German school exchange program going to California as a high school huh. senior. And I really loved California, loved yeah. America, and then I had to go back to Germany, finish my German, uh, you know, contractual schoolwork. Uh -huh. And then I decided I wanted to come back to the United States and pursue a career in dentistry. Huh. Uh, as my dad said, you know, the best dental education in the world is to be had in the United States. Mm -hmm. So it was not very, not very easy as a foreigner and a foreign student yeah. to come to the United States and. Uh, get a degree over here, so mm -hmm. I had to go through undergrad, just the regular program, dental aptitude test, had great mentors and sponsors, and ultimately I was accepted at USC Dental School. Mm. Graduated from USC Dental School, then went back to Germany, did a two-year residency. Mm. USC Dental School was very different from Midwestern, mm -hmm. uh, a whole lot of residency programs. Mm -hmm. I did not uh, do any surgical extractions, did not do any mm. periosurgery, so mm -hmm. I had a very limited experience when it came to the scope of dentistry. This mm -hmm. is why I knew I was not ready for private practice. Mm. That necessitated that two-year mm -hmm. uh, residency for general practice, you know, residency. So. After that, I started my first office, three employees, mm -hmm. and ultimately- you, Was that in Germany? In Germany, and okay. ultimately I grew it to 40 employees and 10,000 mm. square feet, wow. you know, five lab technicians, uh, four wow. dental hygiene chairs running mm -hmm. parallel, seven in the morning until seven at night. Wow. Yeah, focused on implant dentistry, full mouth rehabilitations, lots of periosurgery. Mm -hmm. uh, occlusion, nathology, mm. those were all you know, my areas of interest. And ultimately I decided to sell out. It took three people to buy my practice because <laughs> of the size. Yeah. And then I was somewhat retired in California uh -huh. and the dean at USC, he approached me and said, you know, somebody with your skill set would be great to have teaching at uh, USC. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I'm comfortable riding my horses and playing golf, so maybe one day a week. So I went to USC one day a week, and things had changed, but you know, the culture was still pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. you know, I was known at uh, USC as a student as number 840. I didn't really? have a name. And that huh. was a good thing because if they knew you by name, you did something <laughs> wrong. So, but you know, it was not at all a collegial experience. Uh -huh. It was a very 
let's say I had to suffer through dental school mm -hmm. like a whole lot of the colleagues mm -hmm. of mine and we never returned to to the school mm. we didn't want to go back mm -hmm. because we had all those negative experiences mm -hmm. then I came back and started teaching and I wanted to have a more humanistic approach mm -hmm. and I had residents in my dental clinic mm -hmm. and so I had every two years a resident and training residents from all over Europe mm -hmm. I treated them of course as colleagues mm -hmm. and this is how I treated the students at USC mm. as colleagues mm -hmm. and I saw how they flourished you know mm -hmm. empowering them and they could do things you know the other professor said you know how did you get them to do this I mm -hmm. said well I didn't you know they are smart bright young men and women they mm -hmm. can do it mm -hmm. you just have to let them go and you know just let them develop and flourish yeah. So then it came two days, then three days, and ultimately, you know, I got offered a full-time position. Uh, however, it was all departmental structure, mm -hmm. and so it was a very different Rigid. traditional, mm -hmm. you know, model. Mm -hmm. Then I uh, discovered Midwestern University, mm. and uh, the inaugural dean, uh, Dr. Bill Patrick, mm -hmm. you know, he interviewed me for over two hours, and I could not believe, you know, what his vision was. Mm how he wanted to totally turn dental education upside mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. And I drove back to California, and at that moment I decided I want to be part of that vision. Mm. Turning dental education upside down, doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. And we were a small core of people, 12 people, mm -hmm. and we structured the entire program. Mm. So we uh, drafted curriculum, you know, lectures, everything, mm -hmm. you know, what we, you know, still have today. Mm -hmm. And this is how I came into teaching. Mm -hmm. Because transitioning from private practice into teaching is a very, very difficult task. Mm -hmm. Private practice, you make your own decisions, you know, whereas, you know, you go into teaching, mm -hmm. into an academic setting, corporate setting. Corporate tells you pretty much what you can and can't mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, it's a very, very rich experience. Mm -hmm. I can only recommend it for somebody who really wants to make a difference in so many lives. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I answered that question yeah, for you. Yeah, no, that was great. Yeah. Um, so I actually asked you the same question, the one I'm about to ask you, Kay. when I interviewed here. And okay. I just want to ask it again because I found so much wisdom in your answer. But if you were to graduate today knowing you wanted to go into academia, would you go straight in or would you get some clinical experience first? Um, and what would be kind of like your 10-year plan after graduation to go into academia? Okay, if academia is really my goal, uh -huh. now there are two venues. We have the traditional academia model, like uh -huh. more like a USC, mm -hmm. where you can transition from being in school into like a junior, junior, junior faculty. Mm -hmm. And private practice experience is not really necessary. Mm -hmm. Departmental structure, you focus on a very small area. Mm -hmm. Whereas Midwestern University, we want to graduate confident, competent clinicians. Mm -hmm. This is our goal, that mm -hmm. uh, you know our grads can go out, start their own practice right out the gate, don't need, like I did, you mm -hmm. know, a residency program, mm -hmm. so they can go out in private practice. Mm -hmm. That being said, okay, so if we were to transition from graduating Midwestern, mm -hmm. ideally, you know, somebody would go and out in private practice and have at least three to five years of private practice mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. 
then come back and become mm. either, you know, during that time, like adjunct faculty, one or two days a week, still have kind of the toe in the water, if you will, for private practice. Mm -hmm. What I noticed is our students really like, you know, what you bring from private practice. Mm -hmm. This is the real world. This yeah. is how we really do yeah, it, yeah, yeah. rather than, okay, in the ivory tower, mm -hmm. this is our ideal world, mm -hmm. but this is not what's really done mm -hmm. in private practice. Mm -hmm. So then how to efficiently, effectively schedule patients, how to really help our, you know, students to mm -hmm. be the best clinicians and mm -hmm. the most, you know, efficient operators mm -hmm. and successful practitioners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then go into teaching, mm -hmm. and then you can advance within, you know, any kind of an academic setting, you know, mm -hmm. from like assistant professor to associate professor, mm -hmm. and, you know, you have various, you know, s steps in between. Mm -hmm until you get to my level where you are an associate dean. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you learn dentistry better when you teach it? Absolutely. And I learn so much from, you know, my colleagues here. Mm -hmm. uh, the most rewarding for me in terms of learning mm -hmm. when we have what's called grand rounds, a really, really complicated case, and mm -hmm. you have the radiologist, the periodontist, the oral surgeon, mm -hmm. the prosthodontist, the general dentist, and the students all around one table and mm -hmm. everybody has an input in the case. Mm. This is where I really learned the most. It's, it's an unlike any other setting. You will mm. never ever have that in private practice. Mm -hmm. It is so enriching uh, and I guarantee anybody who is going through this mm -hmm. is gonna be a better dentist. Mm -hmm. Is our grand round something unique to Midwestern? Uh, I would say yes, because in an undergrad program, uh, our students are challenged with cases only the residents in other programs would mm -hmm. do. So what other um, aspects are mid of Midwestern are unique to the school? What makes Midwestern different from other schools? The culture. Okay, I want to put it into a real succinct you know, couple of words. The culture at Midwestern is very, very different. Mm -hmm. Other schools, we have 38 dental schools coming through Midwestern. How do you do it? Mm -hmm. We want to duplicate your model. Mm -hmm. So they, we give them pretty much on a thumb drive, this is how we do it, mm -hmm. but they can't duplicate it because they don't have the right people. They are stuck in departmental structures, mm -hmm. department chairs, fighting for resources, mm -hmm. still treating students like, uh, well, they're kind of bothering me because I want to do something else, but mm -hmm. you know, I tolerate mm -hmm. them. Whereas for us, the student is our number one concern. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that is a different approach, you know, how we mm -hmm. deal with students. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to help them, nurture them, and mm -hmm. that culture is unique to Midwestern. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so you've been the dean for how long now? I've been the associate dean now for f almost four years. Four years, but you've been at Midwestern since? 12 years. 12 years. Yes. So you've seen every dental student go through Midwestern, yes. right? So what would you say separates the top 10% of dental students from the bottom 90? Or, or another way of phrasing it is, are there any common characteristics that the most successful students share? Yes, and I can tell you, let's get rid of the bottom 90%. Okay, yeah. I really don't want to call them the bottom 90%. Mm -hmm. You know, these are like in Formula One, the top of the top, mm -hmm. and they, it, they are separated by hundreds of seconds. Yeah. Okay, and so we have 
the top 10%. Mm -hmm. We have a big, huge group in the middle. Mm -hmm. If you take our, you know, let's say our lowest, uh, you know, let's say 25%, mm -hmm. I stack them up against any student in this country mm -hmm. and they are still outperforming mm -hmm. them because of the clinical experiences they have gained here at Midwestern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, what really makes a top student a top student mm -hmm. is being extremely well prepared, mm -hmm. coming in the clinic early, mm -hmm. being prepared for the case, mm -hmm. efficient and effective scheduling, not letting any patient fall through the cracks, mm. following up, and most importantly, treat every patient with respect and treat every patient like it is a family member or a friend. Mm. And this is the treatment uh, recommendation you should give your patients. Mm -hmm. Then you have very high treatment plan acceptance, mm -hmm. which translates into a whole lot of clinical mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. Top students, they will have earned through our Succeed program maybe 20, 30, 40 days off. Mm -hmm. They will never take that time off. Mm -hmm. They want to come to clinic. Mm -hmm. They want to pick, you know, everybody's brain. Mm -hmm. What can I learn more today? Mm. Our top students, they might uh, have 110, 120 crowns. Mm -hmm. uh, average right now in this country, I believe, last numbers I heard is 6.87. Mm. So there you so see, you know, where the difference is. Mm -hmm. Some of our top students will have placed 30 plus implants. Mm -hmm. Our average here in Midwestern is six, mm -hmm. seven. You know, we mm -hmm. have COVID, you know, so mm -hmm. we were impacted by that. Uh, the, the and what about in the country for implants? Uh, undergrad, zero. Okay. Okay, we are the only school which mm -hmm. has an implant program. Mm -hmm. uh, we implemented an honors program for mm -hmm. implant dentistry mm -hmm. uh, to further, you know, excel within our program. Uh, no other uh, school in this country has that. Mm -hmm. So we are also very fortunate that we have the support of the university mm -hmm. to let us develop these you know, very unique programs. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the question, you know, what makes these, you know, top students, you mm -hmm. know, such high performers, is being prepared, 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 mm -hmm. coming into clinic, wanting to really maximize every clinic session. Mm -hmm. Rather than, oh, my pa patient canceled, you know, it's Friday, it's 2.30, mm -hmm. great, I get to go home. Mm. Right. Those students will have a short call list, like in private mm -hmm, practice, mm -hmm. call your patient, oh, I'm 15 minutes away, I can make it in, mm -hmm. great, treat another patient, mm -hmm. get more clinical experiences. Mm -hmm. Those students will be prepared nine months before graduation to transition into private practice, either you know, have an associate agreement already in place or have a contract for purchase of an office. Mm -hmm. It's not unusual to see our grads straight out of school purchasing an office mm -hmm. and be very successful at it. Mm -hmm. We are having a very robust uh, practice management curriculum. So mm -hmm. from the very first quarter yeah, of our dental program, we are teaching practice management, finance, personal finance, mm -hmm. you know, office finance. So we are very fortunate, again, to bring it and tie it all in, having uh, clinicians who have had successful private practices mm -hmm. We know how to run a private practice mm -hmm. with a profit, mm. okay? In order to have your lights on, keep your lights on, got to have a profit. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, you know, in a nutshell. Uh, I hope I answered your question. No, you did, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
So the average amount of crowns in the U.S. Is, or in dental schools is six. What are they doing with all their time if, it's, if they're only doing six? I've already done six or more crowns and I'm only in my second quarter of dental school, but what are all these students, if they're there five days a week, what are okay. they doing? So oftentimes uh, the schools do not have assigned chairs for the students. Uh -huh. So then it's a question, do I have a chair? Uh -huh. At USC, nothing had changed since I was a student. Uh -huh. So I had to book a chair first with a phantom patient, hoping that my patient could make it in. Mm. So fighting for a chair was the number one issue. Mm -hmm. Number two issue, the faculty was more academic. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to start another composite at 9.30? Oh, I don't think so because we want to go to lunch at 11.30. Okay. Okay, yes. very different. A crown prep could never be done in the same day. Mm. Okay, the first uh, time rough prep, you know, temporary. Second time, you know, finesse the prep. Mm. Third time you take impression, you see where I'm going. Mm. So it is not unusual for, you know, a traditional school model mm -hmm. to have the student come in five, six times mm. before the uh, crown is finally uh, scanned or impressed. Mm. Our digital dentistry program is also leading in the country, mm -hmm. no question about it. Uh, I just saw again yesterday afternoon a D3 student mm -hmm. uh, start to finish, same day crown, mm -hmm. just like in private practice. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I did my first one last week. Awesome. Same day. Same day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you are in your second quarter. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. You could be in private practice already for, mm -hmm. for that matter, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, coming back to also what makes our top students top students, you know, they look at the competencies required for graduation mm -hmm. and they methodically look for patients to fit those competencies. Mm -hmm. They're very methodical in their approach. Mm -hmm. okay, they really take this very serious, not like an eight to five job. Mm -hmm. And I think that drive and that dedication that makes them very, very mm -hmm. successful. So yesterday, just to finish up here, mm -hmm. I helped a fourth-year student mm -hmm. place an implant, mm -hmm. and from start to finish, he finished the implant. I did not touch the scalpel, the handpiece, mm. or the implant. Mm -hmm. It was under 40 minutes, wow. which is amazing. Okay. Private practice. In private practice, I still schedule one implant for an hour mm -hmm. because obviously I have to have time to speak with the yeah. patient and give post-op instructions, etc. Mm -hmm. It is amazing to mm -hmm. see that you know a fourth-year student mm -hmm. can do that in that time. Mm -hmm. And the uh, radiograph of the implant after placement was perfect. Mm. I was very proud of him. That's awesome. So our last question, because we're running out of time, is. If you were to go back to maybe your third, your first year of clinic in dental school, knowing what you know now, what's one piece of advice you would tell yourself? Go to another school because <laughs> USC was not it, you know, in terms of uh -huh. getting the clinical mm -hmm. program, mm -hmm. what I needed. It's a great school, mm -hmm. you know, they are very thorough in their approach, mm -hmm. but the departments and the residency programs, they hurt me as mm -hmm. an undergrad student. Mm -hmm. uh, graduate program, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. Because all the good cases, you mm -hmm. know, which I had mm -hmm. presented, oh no, this is grad pros. Oh no, mm -hmm. this goes to oral surgery residency. Mm -hmm. No, this goes to endo residency. Mm -hmm. Well, what's left of my case? Mm. A couple of fillings and a cleaning. So yeah. it didn't help me much. So very, very different. Mm. 
Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Carroll. I really You're very welcome. That. Okay. And thanks to all of our listeners, and join us again next time for another episode of the Indirect Vision Podcast.